Who is ready to exercise? Woo! Right? We jump into a new year, it's like, I'm going to exercise, right? And we make commitments in the new year, and, um, and, but as a church, we're going to be setting some habits in the place for us to exercise our faith. That's what we're talking about in the book of James. It's time to exercise our faith. And we're going to be learning through this book about some very practical things, ways to do that, and, uh, and get closer to God. And this morning, you ready for some powerhouse stuff? Yes. Yeah? All right. Have you missed us? If you miss each other, right? It's like, gum snow, right? Um, Christmas Eve, all that stuff. All right, so anyways, but we're in it uh, this morning. And in this series, just so you know, there's a few things I want you to grab. If you haven't done this yet, or if you want to go on our app, it's on our app as well, or on our website. But every series we do this, it's a series guide. And our series guide gives you a reading plan for you to join us in reading ahead of every Sunday. So you're reading what we're going to be preaching on. In the book of James, we are actually going to be preaching on every single section in these chapters in the book of James, okay? And so last year was a year in the Word. Was that good? And so we liked it so much, we're going to keep doing the year in the Word again, all right? So we're, we're going to we continue to teach through books of the Bible so that you can read the Bible, understand the Bible. We want you to have Bible literacy because we live in the most Bible illiterate point in history in America, which makes no sense because we all have access to the Bible all the time everywhere we are, right? Even on the John, you can open your app, right? So like, sorry, is that rude? Um, and so, so, but this is what I want you to do. I want you to grab one of these or go on our app and read with us. On the back, you'll see the reading plan. You just check the box. It's not like tons of reading. You can do this in like 10 minutes in your day. And if you say I'm too busy, you're a liar. Like you have 10 minutes because you'll make time for the things that matter to you, right? And that's what happens. And so we think that spending time with God in his word should matter to us as Christians, as Christ followers. Now, if you're new to the faith, maybe you're a new Christ follower, or maybe you're kind of like just exploring this whole thing, um, I would encourage you to join us too, because you'll be surprised on what God starts telling you. You'll be surprised on that God is actually real, and he wants a relationship with you. He wants to speak to you and work in your life. So when you do this type of stuff, you'll start to find him because he's been looking for you, right? He knows right where you're at, and he wants to meet you. So I'd encourage you, what a great time to, to di dive in and investigate who this God is. And join us in reading in the book of James, okay, as we do that. Now, in these, we also have memory verses, because we don't think we should just, you know, read it and forget it. We want to hide God's word where? In our, in our hearts, right? We want to hide it in our hearts, because we want to be able to recall it. When the enemy comes to attack, when trials and temptations, like we're talking about today, are going to come, like, we want to know God's word. We want to fight back. So this is the first memory verse I want you guys to memorize, and it's from what we're reading today in James 1, 5. And it's when we ask God for something, he says he does it, right? When we pray, he responds, especially on this one. I believe this is a promise from God that he will move if we do this. And so let's read this out loud together. If you're here, those joining online, thank you. Hey, if you're online, this is what I want you to do on, on YouTube right now. Click subscribe, click like, and because you'll know when we're online, okay? So this is what we're doing. Everybody ready? I got my brother from another mother sitting up front, and he's saying, come on, are, are you all ready? Yeah. All right, thank you, Todd, for being an example. All right, here we go. Ready? If any one of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Do you hear the promise? If you lack wisdom, who lacks wisdom, right? Uh, we all, like, there's times where, like, I don't get it. You know, it's like, God, I need wisdom. He says, okay. I will give it to you. The, hide this in your heart, okay? So memorize this passage as you do the reading plan. So I would do this first. Read this like four or five times 
over and over and over again to start getting it in your mind and then read the passage and then spend time in prayer and let God reveal things to you, okay? Now we're gonna do something different. We're gonna be reading James chapter one. We're starting verses one through 18 and we're gonna do something we, we haven't done around here. I've grown up, churches do this, maybe tradition for you, but we're gonna stand together if you're able to, to honor God's word as we read it together. So if you wanna stand with me, I'm gonna read that entire section in the book of James and you're like, Tim, we just sat down. Come on now. I said, if you can, if you want to sit, you can. Um, But if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to have it open because I'm not putting it up on the screens. I'm just going to be reading it. This is James chapter 1, verses 1 through 18, and I'm reading from the NIV. This is what it says. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations, consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any one of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like the waves of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation since they will pass away like a wildflower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant, its blossoms fall, and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away when, uh, even while they go about their business. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after the desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and then sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. So don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like the shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all creation. God, let your word return into our hearts what it needs to do. Let it not return anything void, but God, this word this morning, we need to hear it. And so teach us and lead us into it this morning. In Christ's name we pray. Everybody said amen. 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 All right, everybody say victory. victory. All right, you guys can have a seat. We're talking about victory this morning. And this passage, is, we, this is a perfect passage as you start a new year, isn't it? I mean, when you, what is it, like 80% or 90? I think it's like 92% of, no, is it 89%? It's some percentage somebody pulled out of the air, all right? So that, that like, that don't succeed in, in doing their New Year's resolutions, right? It's only like 8% that actually fulfill them and, and keep going as a habit. 8%, what? So most people are going to fail at the things that they want to start, the new healthy things in their life, and it's like, I don't want us to fail at this thing we're talking about, which is growing in our relationship with God, okay? And so, so we want to push against trials and temptations that are going to come over us and through us and in our life. They're just natural. They're going to come. And I want us to have victory. Jesus wants you to have victory. Did you know that? Everybody say victory. victory. That's what he wants. That's what he wants for us. Now, does your life feel like victory? 
Yeah, there might be parts of it that you're like, I, there was a lot of no's. Uh-oh, okay. So it's a good thing you're here this morning because that's what we're talking about. Uh, because like there are things in our life that we feel overwhelmed about, right? There's things in our life that it's like, I haven't, uh, I, there's no success in that certain area or I'm, I'm not thriving in this certain area or there's this relationship that keeps on just being a headache that isn't growing or that I want to see some healing, but it's not coming or there might be a life decision you're facing and you're, and you're like, I thought I knew and I don't really know. And it's like, you feel that tension of this doesn't feel like victory. It feels like tension and uphill battle. And, and there's all those kinds of things we go through, even if it's like addictions and things that are that we experience in our own sin life. That's like, man, I thought I would be past this. I've been a Christian a long time and I'm still wrestling with the same things. Like we get into these areas where we feel like that word victory doesn't live, right? And we want it to live in those areas. We, we want to experience what Jesus has given us in these areas. And, and whether it's you've been praying for physical healing in an issue or an area of your life that you're like, God, couldn't you just bring me some relief in this? And maybe he wants to and maybe not. Like we don't know those answers. By the end of this journey, we're going to talk again about red light, yellow light, and green light prayers. You guys remember how we've talked about in the past, because we're going to jump into a season of prayer and fasting, and we have to be ready for that. We don't want to walk in uncertainty in these areas. We want to walk with confidence and victory, because we have victory. This is what it says in the Bible. I already read that. In 1 Corinthians 15, but thanks be to who? Thanks be to God. God. Okay, if you're trying to find victory anywhere else but with God, you're not going to find it. You may find temporary, but it won't be eternal. Why? Thanks be to God, because he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. He gives it to us. He doesn't make us earn it. He doesn't like, good luck trying to get the victory that I'm having in Jesus Christ. Like, no, he's like, I gave it. It's there. I give it to you through who? Through Jesus Christ through his son Jesus. Like, we have victory. So I want you to fill in the blank. That's the first fill in the blank. We have victory over two things I'm talking about, over sin and the world in Jesus. We have victory over sin and the world in Jesus Christ, okay? Victory over sin, like, we know we're all sinners. We all, we all mess up on a weekly basis. We all are not perfect. None of us can climb the ladder of heaven in our own merit. We can't do it, right? And he, through Jesus, solve that problem. He died on the cross. He forgave us once and for all. When you accept the gift of salvation, you are forgiven sin, victory. Hallelujah. Amen? Amen. So we're glad we have that. And, but we also need to realize, and we have victory over the world. What does that mean? Does that mean I'm going to rule larger than charge? You know, that's not what it means. It means the world is going to continually try to bombard you with things in this life or entice you with things in this life, or draw you away from God with things in this world. And what I'm saying is we can have victory over those things in this world in Jesus Christ, okay? And, and I want us to, I really want us to. Uh, let's hop to, I'm, I'm going to be skipping around in passages, so you're going to have to follow along. They are in your worship program notes if you want to go back and read these. Um, but I'm going to jump to 1 John for a little bit, okay? 1 John chapter 2 this is, this, is what, uh, this is what he says about it. He says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. He gets pretty blunt, doesn't he? He's like, if you're loving the things of the world and you think those are the fulfillment to have some victory in your life, he's saying the love of God isn't in you because you're pursuing the love of the world. And this this tension. If you're a Christ follower, you've experienced the love of God, right? But the love of this world, this world's trying to entice you. It's trying to pull you into things. It's trying to tempt you. It's taking you through trials. It's trying to drag you away. That's what the world does. It's trying to tempt you into different things. Now, this is what I 
let me, let's have some fun, okay? I like having fun. It's kind of like this. It's like God is, um, I have a picture. God is like Godiva chocolate truffles. Oh, who likes a Godiva chocolate truffle? Have you ever had one of those? It's like a little heaven in your mouth, right? It's like, it's like Jesus, do you, they're in heaven. I just know they are. They're going to be part of the feast, right? That kind of thing. So like God has offered you the perfect and most beautiful thing, and I'm, I'm saying like that's the chocolate truffle. Have you ever had one of these wax bottles full of, I'm pretty sure it's either brake fluid or coolant from a car, right? And they make them out of wax. I don't, it's like, here, chew on this kid, you know. Remember getting those as a kid? They still make them. Like, you can still buy them. They still get them out at Halloween. What are we doing to the children of the world, right? I think what, here's, the, here's my concept. I think when you drink it, the burning sensation, you know, that goes down first and the kind of like, what, what is that juice anyways? And then they say, well, we're going to coat your throat with wax, all right? So it'll be okay. You're not supposed to chew on this wax and, and it grows in your mouth for some reason. While you chew, it gets bigger and they swell and it's supposed to coat so that it protects from the next juice that goes down in. I think that's how it works. You think that's how it works? Okay. Anyways, what I think is the lowest possible candy giveaway on the planet, okay, is those little wax juice bottles. Um, the world is like the wax juice bottles. When you see them, actually, as a kid, I got excited when I saw them as a kid because I'm like, ooh, what is this? What is this? And then, and then immediately you're disappointed, right? Um, immediately you're disappointed. That's the world. The world promises big but delivers very little for us. When we pursue it, it's not satisfying. It might be satisfying for a moment. It might be exciting for a moment. But the, the thrill disappears when reality hits, and you're still facing this and this and this and this. We use so many temporary things in this world to try to get victory, and it's like the wax bottles full of the juice. God has given you everything you need for victory. He's given us the Godiva chocolates, which is the best you know, little treat that you can have, right? That's God. So why would we settle for the juice wax bottles when he's given us the Godiva chocolates? Yet that's what we do all the time, don't we? And so this is what he's saying. Like, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father isn't in them. You can't enjoy both. It's like, I dare you to try to take a wax bottle and a dive and stick them in the same time. Yeah, ooh, exactly. Like, you just ruined, no, you can only ruin one. Like, you can't ruin the chocolate. Like, you just, you, it gets ruined. Let's keep reading this passage. For everything in the world, now listen to how he describes it. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. It says, these are the things that come from the world. These are the things that entice us that draw us away from God, that, that give us the sense of like, ooh, that looks good though. It looks pretty. It looks, ah. He uses the word in, in English, it's transitioned to the word lust, and this isn't sexual. Like that's not what he's talking Like lust is, the, is a longing and desire for something that never fulfills. That's what he's saying. And so, so he's saying these are the things that the world tries to offer. These aren't from the Father. And these will never fulfill the lust of the flesh. This is what our body wants. This is the stuff our body desires. This is, this is the stuff that we long for to fill ourselves with. The lust of the eyes, that's the enticement of what we see. I would use the word greed because we want more of what we see. Our eyes never get its fill, right? And then, and then the pride of life. Pride is just living in a self-focused way, right? The pride of life, it's about me, what I can get, what I can earn, how, how everything makes me feel. Like it, it becomes that inward meanness. It's all about me. I am the center of the universe. Elevated view of self. 
It's interesting, we're going to actually now go to Matthew chapter 6, because we see Jesus preach a message. In Matthew chapter 6, we call it the Sermon on the Mount. And in this message, he gives three big things that go right against these three things. The three things the world is, is trying to do in us, this thing, the things that are the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life, that he's saying, now, if you want to live a spiritual life, if you want victory over those things, this is what you do, okay? Are you with me? Yeah. Awesome. And so let's, let's look at this. In Matthew chapter 6, I'm just going to skim the first parts because on the Sermon on the Mount, we're talking about greed, right? The lust of the eyes is greed. It's, I want this. I see this. I, I desire more of this. It's like our eyes can never get its fill. In Matthew 6, he talks about giving. He says, so when you give, he says, don't give like the Pharisees because they're doing it for the show. They're doing it to show their wealth. They're doing it for, for everybody to see. And he says, don't do it that way. You do it in private with God, right? God sees what you do. He says, so if you want to counteract greed, start to give. Instead of going, oh, I want that, I want that, start saying, what can I give? How can I give? What do I have? God, here it is, open-handed. And, and honestly, our whole country needs that. <laughs> and you hear us talk about it here at New Hope, we are a generous church because we want to counteract what the world is telling us. You need more, you should get more. Your eyes should never be fulfilled from what you see when you give. So there's an assumption that as a Christ follower, this is a spiritual discipline. Because he says when you, not if you, right? If you give, do it. The, no, it's like when you give. It's a part of our spiritual disciplines to push against and to look more like God. More like heaven. You all with me? Okay. And then, and then the next section in verse 5, we're talking about attacking pride. The selfish focus, that, the self-centeredness, the, the, the elevated view of self. He, then he says, and when you what? When you pray. And when you pray, and then the same thing. He's talking about the Pharisees. Don't pray like them. They're on the corner saying, look at me. Oh, Lord in heaven, God. You know, they're, they're, like, they're like trying to be all big-worded and whatever. And, and he said, don't be like that. When you pray, you just pray to your God. Pray to your heavenly Father. It's not a show. And when you do that, the amazing thing, when you pray, you should be humbled in God's presence that he is even hearing you, right? Mm -hmm. Prayer attacks pride. Because prayer is you saying, I can't do it on my own. I need you. Okay? Prayer is a humbling position. And so when we walk in generosity, when we learn how to pray, we're starting to look more like heaven. We're starting to actually live into victory in these areas of our life. We do the opposite of what the world tells us. and We look like heaven, okay? So when you give, so when you pray, you're pushing against greed, you're pu pushing against pride, and today we're digging deep into the third one that I want to talk about this morning as we start this new year. Because then he gets into verse 16. I'm going to spend more time now in verse 16. Because he says, when you fast. So some of you, like, um, some of you, maybe you're new to faith, maybe you're new to church, um, maybe you haven't been at New Hope, this is new to this church, we do something every year, and we start the season 21 days of prayer and fasting. We spend time deep with God, and maybe if you've never heard the word fast, this is not a diet, okay? This has nothing to do with, like, the fad right now, which is intermittent, intermittent, how do you say that? Is that right? Fasting? Like, that's like a health thing right now, like, you know, fast this meal, or fast like this, and then you're going to lose weight, and you're going to be healthier, blah, blah, blah. This has nothing to do with diet, Okay? He's saying when you fast, fasting was a deeper thing in that culture and for us today as Christ followers. Fasting is us pursuing God in a deeper way. And this is what he says, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, 
for they disfigure their faces to show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. (laughs) It's like they got what they wanted. They wanted to be publicly noticed, have people publicly notice them as more spiritual that look at me, I'm spending time with God, look how, look how I'm like, I'm tired and I'm worn out and I'm skinny because I'm fasting and I smell bad because I didn't bathe. It's like, dude, why are you doing that? Because you want other people to see your spirituality. And what he's saying is that is actually of the world. You're not going to experience victory in that at all. They've already received a reward, which is what other people think about them. That's not what spiritual fasting is. The whole idea of spiritual fasting is us actually moving away from the things that are the lust of the flesh. It's putting down the things that we would fill our body with or our soul with or our emotions with that, that would typically actually distract us from God and instead fill in God and fill our spirit instead. That's what fasting is. And so he's saying, this isn't about you and public things. This is about you and your heavenly Father. Let's keep reading. He says, verse 17, but when you fast, again, not if, this is supposed to be a spiritual discipline of a Christ follower, when you do it, but when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face. It's like, what kind, canola, like coconut oil, like organic, what do we do? No, that's, he's just saying take a bath. He's saying smell good, okay? And wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to who? To your Father, who is unseen, and listen to the promise of this, and your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. He will respond. He, will, he sees you. I, I believe that Jesus is speaking towards a promise when we fast. When we do it in the right way, when we pursue God and put away the things that we'd fill our body or our flesh with, that actually usually distract us from God in the first place, and we set those things aside, whether it's food or media or, or, or th- that kind of stuff, we set those things aside so we can focus on God. We can pray to God in a more intense way. We can ask him for specific things. God, I want you to see you move in this area because I'm not seeing victory over here. And he will reveal to you why you're probably not seeing victory over here, and it might be because some of that other flesh stuff you were wrestling with <laughs> might have been a part of that, not living in victory. And when you go deep with God, he reveals and shows, and he says he will reward you. He will move. Last year, for some reason, I, and I don't know what the difference last year was from other years of us doing the season, I heard more people say that they experienced God in very personal ways last year than in years past. I don't know why. I can't tell you, like, oh, you did it right. You know that? No, I don't know. Like, <laughs> your hearts were right. I, I, don't, I think, honestly, part of it was we all, a bigger group of people, chose to do it together. There's something that happens when there's a corporate fast. Um, when, when people go in all together and we're all praying, we're all pursuing God as a church body in a deeper way. Deeper things happen. God says, I see that whole body. I see that whole church family. Like, they are all going after me. Oh, I want to do some stuff. <laughs> It's like God is up there waiting, and he's like, I want to do some stuff. And so often we're like, okay, 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 but the world, oh, the world, oh, the world. And he's like, I'm trying to do stuff over here. And now might be the time to say, the world, God, 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 would you? I want to walk in victory in Jesus Christ. That's the season we're moving into, church. This is what fasting is. You can fill in the blank. This is a big one. This is a paragraph, okay? This is not a sentence, but this is my definition of fasting, um, okay? 
Fasting is abstaining from things that would normally feed our body or our soul for a season in order to focus on and feed our spirit. We express our commitment in our pursuit of God through faith, sacrifice, and prayer. This is my definition of fasting. You're putting off the things that you would normally fill your soul or your body with. What do you use to like cope emotionally? What do you use to distract yourself in a day? Those are probably things you're filling your soul with or your body with that aren't really needed. They're there to help you just get through the day. Um, whether it's scrolling through Facebook or social media or I gotta watch that YouTube. You know, I gotta watch it and scroll through the clips. Oh my gosh, did you see that comedy? Oh, and you share it with somebody else or, or whether it's, man, the news channel is always on in our house. It just always is on. That certain news channel, we just always have that noise kind of polluting our house and just coming through or, or whether it's bigger and deeper things that you use to distract yourself. Maybe even sinful things or addictions that come into play that you just, like, it's like those things aren't drawing you to God, right? You're using those to cope in your soul to get through a day. It's like, no, we set that aside for a season. And sometimes when the season of fasting is over, we don't come back to them. <laughs> sometimes we let them stay because they were bad. Some things are just neutral, right? Like I'm not saying looking at YouTube videos is wrong unless there's certain ones you're looking at, right? But that's up, that's you and Jesus, okay? But like, <laughs> but like there's things that it's okay, but just know what you're doing. Like just be real with yourself with what you're doing as you're doing it, right? Or to feed your body. We see in the Bible, fasting is typically a food thing. It's a thing where they say, I'm not going to eat this certain thing or this type of food, or I'm only going to drink water for this amount of time before God, and I'm going to pursue him with all I got. Even though my body's telling me I'm hungry, every time that grumble comes, it's a reminder, it's time to pray. Because I'm not going to feed my body right now, because I want to feed my spirit. I want to go deeper with God. That's what fasting is. It's setting things aside for a season so that we express our commitment in our pursuit of God. Doing this stuff is saying, it's showing God. I mean, that's what he's saying. He will see what you're doing. It's not hidden. He'll say, I see what you're doing. I see the sacrifice. I see your faith that you're putting in me in this time right now. And I hear your prayers. I'm hearing you. I'm moving. I'm doing things. And that's why by the end of this, we're going to talk again about red light, yellow light, and green light prayers. Because we need to know then how is he answering? What is he doing in our lives at the end of this journey? But this is what fasting is. Um, we see some examples in the Old Testament. I don't think I'm ready for that. Yeah. Uh, in the Old Testament, we, we see examples of fasting. Just, these are just real quick. Remember we did the book of Jonah over the summer? Jonah chapter 3, we saw Jonah go to the city of Nineveh. He, he you know, proclaims, you know, three more days, God's going to, you know, overthrow the, the city. And what do they do? They repent. They're like, whoa, we don't want this. We don't want, we, we've seen your God do stuff, so we know he's a miracle working God. We don't want to be destroyed. And they, the king calls a fast on the whole land. He's like, nobody eats. The donkeys don't eat. The cats don't eat. For sure the cats don't eat, right? The then the dogs don't eat. Like, sorry. I, I'm. So he proclaims a fast. I'm just going to stop right there. So he proclaims a fast over the whole land, even to the animals. Okay, that's the whole point. Because he's showing God their earnest desire for repentance. And he says, maybe he will relent. And God does relent. God sees and he rewards. We see that in the Old Testament. We also see in Daniel chapter 10, where Daniel gets a vision from God, a prophecy from God, and he's so confused. He's like, what does it mean? And he's praying to God, and then he, he does a fast. 
He fasts from meat and, and sweet things and, and the choice foods. So we, and, and he's praying and fasting. And 21 days later, we see an angel shows up and says, Sir, I couldn't get here. I was battling the prince of Persia over there. And, and another angel had to come and help me with that so I could come over here. It's like, it's all of a sudden you're saying, Whoa, there's a whole battle going on that we don't see. There's a whole realm of the spiritual realm where God is up to things that we, we may not ever know. Um, but he's doing stuff, and it may take him some time to work in some areas because there are things happening all around us, right? And so fasting is not a, uh, a lottery ticket with God. It's not a genie in the bottle, right? It's not like, okay, God, I prayed this. No, do it. Like, that's not how it works. But here's Daniel. He, he fasted from certain foods to show his earnesty and prayer to God, and God says, the angel shows up and says, God heard you. I'm, I'm here, sorry. And he, he answers him. He gives him vision. We see it in the New Testament in a number of places. We see in Acts chapter 13 and 14 that the new church as it was being birthed, the leaders and um, the apostles were praying about who God would send out, right? And the Holy Spirit in their season of prayer and fasting set, us all, set aside Paul and Barnabas. And so it's a part of also leadership decisions. Like, okay, we're praying and fasting. God, what do you want to do here? And he answered, and they sent them out. We see it in the next chapter where they're talking about setting up elders amongst all the, the churches that they plant, and they pray and they fast, then they appoint them. So it's a part of that spiritual thing of looking and pursuing for, for what God wants to do. In Mark chapter 9, we see the disciples trying to cast out demons in the name of Jesus, and one wouldn't come out. And Jesus shows up, and he's like, oh, okay, okay, come out, boom, snap, that demon comes out when Jesus says it, okay? And they're like, why, why didn't we have victory over this one? We had victory over all these other ones we were calling out in your name, but this one wasn't coming out. And Jesus said, this one, this one would only come out through prayer and fasting. Like, this one is a deeper issue. This is a deeper stronghold, demonically. So it takes more to go into it, right? So we see these different things. Um, in Luke chapter 4, we see Jesus went through a season of prayer and fasting, right? Luke 4, right before he started his ministry, he gets baptized. The Holy Spirit leads him out into the wilderness, he, he <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't suggest doing this. 40 days, full fast. Like, no water, no meat, no, no food, no nothing. A full fast, Jesus did. And I, I'm not asking any of you to do that, okay? <laughs> like, that's Jesus. And, um, and he did it as the preparation for then him starting his ministry. He was getting serious, and he was getting with his heavenly Father. And then he was going to be tempted and tested. Which is interesting. That's where we're going in James chapter 1. Because we will, in this process, be just where Jesus was, tempted and tested. When we go through this season, do not think it's going to be clear sailing. You're going to be going into spiritual realms that you may never have gone in before. You're going to be conquering some things spiritually that you didn't even know was in there. But now God said, finally, I want you to have victory in that. We're going to have to go deep on this one. And you have to be ready for it and willing to walk down into it I need you to hear this very clearly that we have, oh, did I not put it in here? Do you have a fill in the blank that says there is spiritual power in seasons of fasting? Write that down. I forgot to put the slide. There is spiritual power in seasons of fasting. Okay? I, I want to say that because this is not a, a season of weakness. This is a season of God's power being shown through the Holy Spirit proclaim we have victory. How? In Jesus Christ. The victory is not in you. You have no power to have victory in these areas in your own flesh or from anything in the world. 
This is victory in Jesus Christ alone. Y'all hear me? I don't want to confuse you at all. This is not a self-help sermon. This isn't a get 1% better sermon, all right? Next week, get another percent better. No, we need Jesus Christ, amen? Amen. And so that's that's what we're doing. That's who we're pursuing in this season is Jesus Christ. He and the power of the Holy Spirit in us is the spiritual power, that dunamis, dynamis power, that dynamite power inside of us in this season of fasting. And I want you to experience victory in that power during this season. So this is what we're going to be doing, okay? Um, let, let me explain to you what fasting is, those of you who haven't been here. If you want to go deeper into this, you can go to our website right now. Go mynewhope.tv forward slash fast. Those of you online can do that too. You can go this week if you want to hear a deeper sermon on this. Last year, I did a deeper sermon on it, and it's right there on that page, okay? So you can go back and watch that one. It's about 40 minutes. I go deeper into the whole body, soul, spirit thing and all that kind of jazz. Like, I I go deep into it. Um, So if you want to go deeper, that's a resource and tool to watch, um, to go into. So the question is this for us. We're going to be fasting some things. We're going to be setting some things aside. So the question is, what feeds your body? Like, what in your life do you use to feed your physical body? And there's some, some ways that you can fast um, and things you can set aside. You could do a total fast, which is what Jesus did. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily suggest that, right? Like, you're not going to do 21 days and not eat or drink anything, okay? Don't do that. But you may say, um, I'm going to do a partial fast during this season with food or with drinks or with something. That you're going you're gonna to choose certain days of the week or certain meals during the week to say, I'm going to fast from that meal. Or I'm going to fast on Tuesdays. Tuesdays, I'm only drinking water on Tuesdays or on Wednesdays or, what, or every other day, whatever it might be. This is for you to decide. I'm, I'm explaining you're going to have to make a decision how you're going to fast, what you're going to set aside. Some of you, I, I need you to know this. I'm not a doctor. If, if you have health issues or health concerns, and um, I would ask you to maybe call your doctor, have a conversation about that, what would be wise and unwise, what should you do, shouldn't you do? Maybe you shouldn't fast any foods. Um, but you, perhaps you can say you can do um, something like a Daniel fast. So when I talked about Daniel, Daniel chapter 10, they called it a Daniel fast because Daniel just, he didn't do sweets, meats, or dairy. So you're saying, I'm fasting from these kind of choice foods that I, I might normally eat during the week. I'm not going to eat any sweets, which might not be a bad thing after the holidays, right? It's like, okay, I'm going to take a break from some of that chocolate and sugar and all that stuff, right? So no sweets, no meats. So, and, and no dirt. So, I'm, it's really vegetarian, right? You're doing veggies, you're doing soups, you're doing that kind of stuff. Um, for, for me, I'm doing no sweets. I am doing some meats, um, no dairy, and no gluten for me. Like, no breads, that kind of stuff. Because f- for some reason, I love bread. Like, <laughs> like, you know, so like, I'm thinking about what's the thing that my body desires that like, I would just naturally go to? That, that's it for me. I'm like, I, those are the things that, I'm going to set those aside because I know I use those to not just feel, fill my body, but also fill my soul a little bit. You know, f- food is an emotional connection. And so I'm going to choose to set those things down. And during the season, I'm just not going to eat those. I'm not going to let those be a part of my, that, so that's a, that'd be a Daniel fast. Okay. Or you could do a water juice fast um, for certain days throughout the week. Um, you can say, you know, like again, like a partial fast. I'm going to fast on this day, this day, this day, and I'm only going to do like water and certain juices during those days um, so that your body maybe gets some sugars, that kind of stuff if you need that. that. So we don't want you to be unhealthy during the season. 
but what would you normally fill your body with, food-wise, that you know I really need to go without that? And that that thing would be something that you would be sacrificing. If it's not a sacrifice, it's not a fast. If it's a sacrifice, if it's not a sacrifice, it's a diet, all right? <laughs> like, you're just, I just know I shouldn't do that, so I'm just gonna, no, like, it has to be a sacrifice. Something you would want. Because what happens, this is fasting. You're putting the things aside that would fill your body or soul, and when you're reminded, your body tells you, you're hungry. You're like, oh, and you know, like, and somebody's eating bread right next to you, and you're like, mm, you're evil, you know, like, when that happens, that's the reminder God, I'm doing this for you. And to spend that time in prayer in that moment. It's that reminder, okay, God, I'm fasting from that. I'm asking, would you move this way in my life? And those prayers don't have to be like lengthy, long prayers. It could be just that. It's that reminder, God, I'm asking you again. Would you do this? And, and for some, some of you, maybe where you work, you can do this. Maybe for you, a lunch break isn't going out to get, get lunch somewhere, or it's not just hanging out with people and like eating, just talking. Maybe like for you, certain days of the week, your lunch break is you in your car with a bottle of water and your Bible and your prayer journal. You're replacing that meal with that time with Jesus, right? So you're spending time with him. I want to teach you how to do this. Does all that make sense? Okay, so what feeds your body is a good question to ask. Um, now, when you came in, you sat on something. <laughs> Hopefully you didn't. Hopefully you grabbed it. Um, it is the fasting guide, okay? On that fasting guide, on the front, you'll see a, a different reading plan if you want to go deeper into fasting. There's some more scriptures. If you want to do that reading plan on top of the James, you can. You don't have to. And then on the back is these questions. It's your commitment during a season of prayer and fasting. It's, it's what we're asking you to do and to respond to. So on that back, you're going to see these kind of topics, okay? And if you're online, you can go to mindhoop.tv forward slash fast, and it's all there as well. Second question, what feeds your soul? What do you use to feed your emotions? That part of you that, that needs distracting, right? That part of you that, that makes you feel better, that, you know, that, that stuff you use to feed your soul. Maybe it's streaming, Netflix, Hulu, YouTube, that kind of stuff. Maybe you use that way too much. I, I would encourage you to find an app that records um, your screen time on your phone and gives you a report to how many hours and what apps you use. Because you might be surprised, right? Um, or even you can do that on a computer. Download apps like that if you want to, but maybe you need to just delete some of these apps from your phone and, um, and maybe just unplug your TV during the season. I, that's up to you. But streaming might be something that you use to feed yourself social media, Facebook, Instagram, that kind of stuff. Do you scroll and scroll and scroll? Th this one for me, just, I'm, I, this is confession time. Like Facebook, I, it's... I just scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll. And I'm like, what am I doing? Like, <laughs> what am I doing with my life? You know, that kind of thing. So like for me, that's getting deleted off my, um, off my phone and you won't see me on there for 21 days, okay? So maybe it's social media, entertainment, maybe news, media, gaming. Some of you are like gamers. You end your day and you get home and then you game for an hour just to chill out. And maybe you need to say, you know what? Instead of chilling out with gaming, maybe I'm gonna spend time with God and then my family because they probably wanna spend some time with you too, by the way, right? So fasting from those things, or it could get even down here deeper, which is fasting and saying, I actually use addictions to feed my soul. Pornography, romance books, smoking, alcohol, you fill in the blank. What's actually something that's actually hurtful in your life that you just keep going back to as that thing that numbs you from the emotions you're going through? That's what those are. And it'd be a good thing to use a fast to break those addictions. 
I get excited when people come up during the season of fasting and say, Tim, I feel like God told me I'm supposed to fast from cigarettes. I'm like, oh, awesome. We're going to be praying for you. And when it gets to the end of that three weeks, this has happened multiple times where they say, I'm not going back. I say, Jesus. And you're thinking, what, is smoking a sin? I think so. Because I think this is a temple of the Holy Spirit. We're putting toxins into it. I haven't seen any lungs that look beautiful after a life of smoking. I would just encourage you, okay? Any of those behaviors that you go to, that it's like, I need that to feel good. If that is that, that might be an issue. I need Jesus to help me feel good. Put that thing off and put on God. Put those things off that fill your soul and put on God. And then the last question is this, what are you praying for? This is a season to be specific with God. Are you praying, God, I just want to see movement. I want to see you move in my life. Awesome. And you don't know exactly what that is, but you're just saying, God, I want to see you move. I want to see you do something in my life. Maybe you're praying for clarity, the decision you have to make, or something of life change, or a season you're moving into that you want clarity on. This is a great time to pray for clarity on things. Maybe for healing, a physical healing, or emotional, or relational. Maybe you want to see some restoration in some areas. And it's like, God, I'm going to pray specifically during this season. Would you bring this, right? Or intercession. Maybe for you, it's like everything is okay. God is working in your life, and, and for you, you're going to use this as a time of intercession for someone else's needs. Someone you know who needs God to show up and move, and you're going to use this prayer and fasting to pray for them. Awesome. But you choose what do you want to see God do? How do you want to see God move in your life and make a commitment to pray for it? Every day. Every day. Go deep with him. Spend time in his word. Spend time studying. Spend time in prayer. Spend time in the James reading plan or the the fasting guide reading plan. Why? Because we want you to have victory over sin. Now, I'm going long. Is that okay? What time is it? Okay, now... When you go deeper with God, I'm going to wrap this up. When you go deeper with God, though, expect trials and temptations, but persevere. Expect trials and temptations when you do this, okay? Don't think, oh, no, this is, I'm going deeper with God, so everything's going to be okay. No, 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 no. Get ready, because you're going to get grumpy. Can I get an amen for anybody who's done this with us? You're like, why, why am I fighting with my wife right now? because you're hungry, <laughs> like, <laughs> and you've gotten hangry, right? Because you've set something that you feel your emotions with, all of a sudden that's not there, and all of a sudden you're like, your emotional state's like, and you're trying to depend on God, and now you're going to get a little grumpy. There's going to be trials and temptations, right? Or, or, or the enemy is going to come in and attack, just like with Jesus at the end of his season of prayer and fasting. That's exactly what Satan does. I'm going to tempt you. Oh, turn that rock into bread, Jesus. You have the power. For you, it's just, look at that bread, yo. <laughs> like, <laughs> You're like, no, I'm not living on that bread. I'm living on the bread of life, the word of God. When you hide it in your heart, God's word, you can attack the temptation and the trial. You can expect it, but you can persevere. Okay, now we're coming back to James chapter one real quick, okay? James chapter one, uh, two and four says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. That's an oxymoron, James. I don't get excited and get joyful when a trial shows up. He says, no, no, no. Why do you need to consider it joy? Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And here's the beautiful thing with perseverance. And when it finishes its work, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature, 
complete and lacking what? You're not lacking anything. You have everything God has promised in Jesus Christ. You have been given victory through Jesus Christ. You have to persevere in the trial and the temptation. You have to push on and push forward and keep running to God over and over and over again. That's what he's saying. But we have this promise from God. We, we can be joyful in the season of fasting because we know we are being completed, matured, and not going to lack anything. Wow. That's a great promise. Let's go a little bit further down, verses 14 and 15. But each person, I'm talking about temptation, when you're tempted to do and wander away, but each person is tempted when they're dragged away um, by what? Their own evil desire and enticed. I mean, honestly, Satan doesn't even have to do anything. We got our own issues. <laughs> like Satan's over here playing in somebody else's playground, and we're like, stop tempting me. Stop tempting me, Satan. He's like, you're the one that left the candy on the counter? <laughs> like, what do you mean? I'm not tempting you. You're tempting you. Your desire, your flesh, whatever that is, whatever that sin is, he's, he's like, no, 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 that's what happens. And then after that desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. That is your choice. I'm going to get really blunt. You choose what happens with that temptation. God isn't tempting you. God isn't the one that's saying, ooh, look at this over here. That's not God. We get to choose what do we do next. Are we giving birth to something in this? Are we, are we going to kill this right here? Right? We don't want to let sin be conceived in our life. And when it's full grown, it gives birth to death. That's what sin equals death. That's why Jesus died on the cross to pay for our sin, his death instead of ours. That's the good news in the gospel. We don't have to let death, we don't let, need to let sin give birth to death in our life. We can get it at the desire. But that is on you. That's your choice. That's all of our choice. We're not puppets in God's hands. We get to choose, we have to choose to persevere, to persevere, to persevere. Say it with me. Persevere. That's what we have to do. And so I'm asking this, this week, I'm asking you for to make these commitments and to walk into this, that we have victory over sin and the world in Jesus. Walk into that. Walk into that. God, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you that, that you haven't hidden your word, that you have put it in front of us. And God, as we just take a moment to respond and as we're going to sing and worship and respond in a moment, that you would lead us in this time of response, God. We're going to trust you for it and trust you in it. So lead us during this time. I just have a few words of challenge before we, we make a... We're going to sing that song that we sang in a, just a moment ago, The Battle Belongs, because it is a great proclamation song as we move into this, okay? The Battle Belongs. We're going to be fasting, um, not this week. We're going to start next Sunday, okay? Do you have a slide up um, for, for this for me? So, and, and so we have all the prayer and fasting guide information. You have printed copies um, on your seats. There, there are printed copies in the back of the room. We also have an extra booklets of what is called the Seven Steps for Successful Fasting. It's by Dr. Bill Bright, who was the creator of Campus Crusade of Crew, and, um, and that's a great resource if you're new to this fasting thing. On your way out, grab one of those. It's a full sheet stapled thing, okay? Grab one of those on your way out, read it this week, prepare your heart for things, and I'm going to ask you on the back of that fasting guide is those questions. I want you to be prayerful this week about what you're going to do to make your commitments, 
to say, God, I am going to fast from this, this, and this. And you're making that commitment before God. And then, and then you're going to say, and I want to experience you in this way. What are you praying for? How do you want to see God moving in your life? Now, when you move into this season, I'm going to ask that you keep it between you and God. I don't want us to be Pharisees, and I don't want us to be legalistic. Some people get super legalistic, and this time becomes just a stressful situation because you're like, I can't do this, I can't do this, and it becomes just about the thing, about like a diet or whatever. Don't, no, no, no. It's about you and Jesus. Don't get legalistic about this. If like one day you mess up on the fast, don't be like, oh, I screwed up. Now I can't do it. God's not going to hear me. No, 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 no. Just keep pursuing. Okay, just keep moving. One step ahead. Okay, one step ahead. Don't get legalistic about it. We're going to be starting January 15th, and we're going for 21 days through February 5th, okay? So we're ending on February 5th together. So this week, just prepare. Just prepare your hearts, prepare your commitments. Next Sunday, I am going to be asking us to commit as a church body, corporately, to join this fast. And I'm going to have you fill out a card, and you're going to bring it to God up front with your commitment as a symbol of saying, I'm all in. I'm joining. I'm a part. I want to see God move, okay? So I'm preparing you for that next week. We're committing as a church body, corporately, to do this season of fasting. So this week, learn, grow, pray, prepare, and then we'll jump into it next week, okay? Sound good? All right, let's stand together. I want to pray. Lead us in this time of response because we're going to sing that song, Battle Belongs, to proclaim what we just learned. The victory is in Jesus Christ.